0: From Parkway Church in Corona, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. I, just, I was thinking about that this morning, I'm like, it's icy, I had to scrape off my car again, but it's still spring, and spring is coming, and I can walk in spring even though there's still a little snow on the ground, and it's not going to get me down, except for those of you who love snow and you hate spring, and you're like, man, I'm just glad it came back, and we'll pray for you, because there's something wrong there, but <laughs> but it's all good. Um, as mentioned in uh, in the video announces we had this morning, thanks to the team for putting that on. Um, Easter at Parkway is only a few weeks away, and this is an entire weekend that we're excited about um, celebrating the goodness of God and just engaging with our community and coming together as a church body. And um, it all starts on Good Friday, as we said, with our Good Friday service, followed by our community Easter egg event. And then on uh, Easter Sunday, we're going to have our our Sunday service, which is going to be phenomenal, celebrating that God is not dead. Come on, right? God is not dead. And uh, we actually have... um, we actually have these little promo door hangers for you that were made up by um, none other than Joshua McDonald himself. Um, beautiful. They look amazing. Um, but what this is going to do is this is going to serve as a way of taking ground in our community. And so what we've got is at the back of the door there and then also at the Welcome Center and then at the... Easter kind of donation sign-up sheet area, we have these door hangers for you. And if every person grabbed maybe 10 to 15 of these, and you hung them on 10 to 15 doors in your neighborhood, that would mean 10 to 15 homes know um, about what's happening here on Easter weekend. So grab this, it's an easy way to take ground. Maybe you have a hard time talking to people because you're one of those super, super shy individuals, but it's not really hard to just quickly sneak up to a house. Hang the door, and you can hang it like on the one side we got the Easter services, and on the other side we got the Easter egg hunt. So you can do either side. You know, if you know the individual is a little bit more apprehensive about church, show them the Easter egg side. You know, if you know that they're less Easter egg ish, but they're into service, show them the service side. It's great. And um, again, grab ten to fifteen. It's not a lot. It'll probably take you like a total of fifteen minutes, maybe a minute a door, and it helps us engage your community because if we don't let them know we're here, they're not going to come. Right. Well, we're in a series called Taking Ground, uh, surrounding stories in the book of Joshua. We're looking at how God worked through one people group, brought them out of the place in which they were in, in slavery, and into the new land, a promised land, a land of freedom, and how they needed to take ground in order to live in it. That's why it's called Taking Ground. It was a new chapter in their lives, a new journey, had new challenges, had new changes, but the kingdom of God advanced through it all. The kingdom of God advanced through all. I was thinking in order for the kingdom of God to advance in our lives, we need to take ground. right? We need to take ground. We need to overcome the obstacles. We need to overcome the giants. We need to tear down the walls, change the patterns of faith in order to live within the freedom that comes in Jesus, in order to experience the purposes of God and also to see um, God take reign in our community. We need to take some ground. Um, there's a lot of overlap you've probably caught in these messages. There's a lot of repetition, but that's so that this truth is sunk and it sticks. And so we don't just become hearers of the word like we often are, but we actually doers of the word and we walk out of here and we start to take ground. Amen? And so we're looking at a story today that's become a bit of a hallmark story when it comes to biblical stories. Um, it's one, if you grew up in and around church, that you probably heard often. It's a story that um, we probably tell our kids once a week because it's one of the most famous ones in children's books. And, uh, and I believe that the message is really amazing if you lean in, if you lean in this morning. Uh, the Spirit still speaks. They're not empty stories when we look at the Scriptures, even in the Old Testament. Sometimes we like to hang out in the New Testament, but Jesus is in all Scripture. And so if we lean in, the Spirit will still speak because God's Word is living. But let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get into it this morning. So, Father, in the name of Jesus... By the Spirit, we just just pray that you'd open our hearts, we'd we'd open our minds, and you'd open our spirits, God, to just what you want to do and what you want to say in this this morning. Pray, Father God, that as we look at your word, that you would just help us to glean something from it, that it would change us and transform us so that we live differently because your word is alive and it is active, God, in the name of Jesus. God, change us as only you can. And as we have time at the end, God, just for coming together in prayer, I pray that you would just move powerfully, God, as you already are doing in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... So here's the message this morning. You may have heard this type of message before, but hear it again. It's this. Just because your progress isn't obvious doesn't mean your faith isn't working. Just because your progress isn't obvious doesn't mean your faith isn't working. If you've noticed, this journey that the Israelite people, God's people are on through the the book of Joshua is a faith journey. It's a journey of trusting God as they just encounter obstacle after obstacle as God leads them from slavery into the promised land. It's a faith journey of trusting in God. And that we continue in that kind of faith journey today. We trust that God is leading us somewhere. He's leading us in our faith and he's leading us to his purposes as we encounter obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. So just because your progress isn't obvious, it doesn't mean that your faith isn't working. Now, most of you know, um, we're in the process of packing up our house so that we can finalize the chapter in Niagara Region and Welland and finally move to Corona. Um, You've noticed that my family isn't necessarily with us because they're packing while I come up here and and but it's it's we're getting there well, we have to pack the house in order to move. We can't just, we can't not do it. We can't just move and not pack our house, right? And as, as we're doing it, as we're packing the boxes and they start to pile up, and as we step back and take a look, I'm thinking, oh, we're not even getting anywhere. It just looks like a bigger mess. And, like it, and God started to speak to me about this through this process. He started to speak, and that's how God speaks sometimes, right? I just, my voice just cracked. That's how God speaks sometimes, is he, he uses small things to teach us powerful truths, and so one of the jobs I had to do is I had to take on our garage, which I was dreading taking on. I was dreading packing the garage because you can't pack things that are in the garage in nice, neat little boxes and then stack them nice and neatly on a truck, right? There's just, there's just things everywhere. And so I took the things off the shelves, and I tried to put them in some sort of order. And then I took the, the shovel and the, and the hoe and the rake, and I taped them all together, and I took down the portable shelves. And when I stepped back and looked at the entire garage, it looked like it was a bigger mess than when I started But just because my progress wasn't obvious doesn't mean I wasn't progressing. And let me just say this morning, church, if you catch nothing else, you got to catch this. Just because your progress isn't obvious in your faith journey does not mean that your faith is not working. And just because you encounter obstacle after obstacle, and sometimes it looks a little bit messier as you progress, you're like, this is getting messier before it gets better, doesn't mean your faith is not working. Does not mean it's your faith. Is not working? And this is the story of God's people in the book of Joshua today, Joshua chapter 5 and 6. The people come to the city of Jericho, the city of Jericho. Uh, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, remember the song? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, and the walls. I got kids, it happens. So Joshua was the first city that the Israelites would have to conquer in order to progress and move into the promised land. Now we need to remember that God is not a malicious um, genocidal moral monster just trying to eradicate one people group so that another people group can, can conquer and have the land. He's actually bringing judgment on a very incredible wicked nation because their sin had reached its full measure, the scriptures say. Its capacity. It could get no greater. And so he was bringing judgment on one people group, moving them out and also ushering in and moving the Israelites into that. And when we look at difficult pictures of God like this, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, we always have to look through the lens of Jesus. The Bible says, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so when we look at those things, we have to say, okay, I don't get this, I don't understand what's happening, let me take a step back and look through this through Jesus, because he's the image of the invisible God. So Jericho was a very small city, very, very small city, but it was incredibly fortified. It had these massive walls, which were impenetrable. Now, the walls were built, if you, if you look into this, the walls were built actually on a stone retaining wall, which itself was about 10 to 12 feet high. And then on top of that, they built walls of mud brick that were about 20 to 26 feet high. So if you kind of like put this in perspective, picture a four-story building, and that's how high these walls were. And then if you, if you could get through these walls, which you couldn't, there was, a, there was an incline, like, kind of like a side of a mountain, and then inner walls on top of that. So this place was secure, this place, was, this place was impenetrable, this place was, was unbreakable, there was no way through. And I got to thinking, compare that with your own life. What is your Jericho wall? What is the thing which you see no way through, right? What is, what is the thing that you see, you see a big, giant, four-story high obstacle that you cannot overcome? Maybe it's something that you're dealing with right now. Maybe it's something that you're processing right now. Maybe it's something that you've, you've tried to break through, but you can't, so you've thrown in the towel and you've given up. Maybe it's something you've tried to hide because you don't want to face, and so you try to push it in the closet, you know, hide it under the carpet, but it keeps popping back up. There are times when we find ourselves facing something that seems impossible to overcome by human ability and strength. Impossible. But when will we stop relying on our own strength and understanding and start leaning on a God whose strength and understanding have no end? When will we stop relying on our own ability and start trusting in a God? And I think that God, I'm of the opinion that God purposely puts obstacles in our lives that we can't overcome on our own. So that we have to lean and trust in him. So we have to go to him. Otherwise, we don't need him. So when we, when we, when we come to a Jericho wall, it's like, well, what God wouldn't do, well, sometimes I think he does, or he allows the circumstance in the sinful world in which we live in to, to appear so that he, we can trust and lean on him. He says, you can't overcome this, but I can. You can't get through this, but I can. You can't break it down, but I can break it down. You can't you can't climb over, but I can do it through you. So trust and lean um, so here the Israelites are facing another incredible obstacle, another challenge, another roadblock as they attempt to step into this promised land. I'd be, th- I'd be thinking, if I was an Israelite, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? It's obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, and they just they just got in the land. They're not even living in it yet, and they're at this city. So I got to read you a lengthy story um, this morning, uh, Joshua in Joshua chapter, starting in Joshua chapter five. And I want to do it because I want to give you context to what we're talking about, and I believe scripture can preach better than I can preach. The Bible says that his word does not return void, right, and that, and that it will achieve the purposes which he sent. So here we go, Joshua chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 13. So if you have your Bible, please turn there, or if you have your phone, you can open up your phone in church and turn to the app. Don't just pretend you're reading the Bible on the phone, P.S. You're like looking up Facebook or something. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, starts like this. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? He's like, who is this guy? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. Let me repeat that. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. In reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. The walls are securely barred. See, I have delivered Jericho in your hands. This does not make sense by human ability and and sight. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear the sound of the long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of of the city will collapse and the army will go in, everyone straight in. Verse 6, so Joshua, son of Nun, called the seven priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. At this time, the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. Sometimes we need to close our mouths and let the music do the talking, right? (laughs) So then, verse 11, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp, camp and spent the night there. Verse 12, Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching around the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark behind them while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they came, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days, same thing, circling. Six days, same thing, circling. Six days, same thing, circling. 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 Back to camp, circling, back to camp. Verse 15, we're almost there. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Again, the walls are still there. Shout, the Lord's given you the city. I still see walls. The city, he says, and all that are in it are devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab and the prostitute and all who are with her in the house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. Verse 19. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. Here we go. Here it is. Ready? Ready? When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged in, and they took the city. So let's just take a look at this, right? First, we have Joshua has this encounter with an angelic being just before they take on Jericho. Now, we don't know what Joshua is doing when he has this encounter. Some say that maybe he was meditating and praying. Some say that maybe he was kind of overlooking the city and kind of just thinking about and planning out his, his attack. Some think that maybe he was at a loss for himself on how to proceed. We don't know what was going on. What we do know is that Joshua was often led by the voice of God. We see this throughout the story of Joshua. We see how, how, how as, he's, as he's leading the Israelites to one step and to the next place, it's on the command of the Lord. So we know that Joshua is being led by the Spirit, but this encounter is different. This encounter is different. It's more tangible. It's a manifestation of the presence of God. It's real. It's physical. Now we can be led by the Spirit of God in the same manner, right? Maybe we have we have impressions kind of in our heart. We have we have a thought that is that is you know, in line with what scriptures say. Maybe someone shares something to us. God speaks to us. God leads us in these ways. And those are all to be subject to scripture. Somebody says something to you. You got a thought that comes to your mind. You got an impression in your heart. Does it line with scripture? Because if it doesn't, it's probably not of God. P.S., side note. But sometimes God allows his presence to be known in a more real way, right? A clearer way, a more tangible way. Am I right? Like maybe you'll show up to service and you'll be like, man, God just showed up this morning. And he didn't show up anymore. more so. Like it, his presence is here today. Even when you don't feel it and aren't moved by it, he's still there. But sometimes it's just a little bit more tangible. This is a little bit more tangible. And this is Joshua. He has this very real encounter with God through this angelic being. And he does something that I think is interesting to note. Before he asked God for the message, and he considered the angel that he saw, the angel of the Lord of God's army, he considered that to be God's very presence. Before he asked God what the message was, he worships. He worships, and then he asks. He falls down, face down, the scriptures say, in reverence. The word reverence means to declare or show. So Joshua is declaring and showing his honor for the Lord. His whole being is physically moved to a place of submission, falling face down. It's not. It didn't say that he stepped down. It didn't say that he kneeled down. As he fell down. You know you've encountered the Prince of God when you're moved like that. When was the last time you were moved like that? When was the last time you encountered God's presence to such a degree that you were physically moved in reverence? And that could look like anyway, right? Like maybe it's for you. It's it's a raising of hand, but you get you you're stepping out your comfort zone because you're like God's presence is so real right now to me that I can't help but give him some glory. That I can't help but give him some honor. And can I tell you again? God's presence is always here. We were talking about this at our we rally this morning. This morning, every morning around nine thirty, we rally. We were talking about that. His presence is here, but sometimes we just got to step into it. We just got to step into it and engage. Notice nobody else is with Joshua. Sometimes nobody else may be stepping in the presence of God doesn't mean you can't. Just because nobody else is engaging the presence of God doesn't mean you can't. Just because nobody else is raising their hands doesn't mean you can't. Just because nobody else is kneeling doesn't mean you can't. Just because nobody else engages the presence of God doesn't mean you can't engage the presence of God. So Joshua has this very real encounter where he first worships, and then he asks. You know, sometimes we spend too much time talking. We spend too much time talking and asking God for things instead of just worshiping. First he worships, then he asks, what's the message? Because real meaningful worship has a way of unlocking the will of God. When we worship and revere God, it has a way of connecting us to the heart and will of the Father. I need direction, God. Worship. What's your plan and purpose? Worship. How do I overcome this obstacle? Worship. What is your will? Worship. Because when you're in his presence, it will be revealed. First he worships. And notice he wasn't singing. This is what we're talking about here. Worship isn't singing. It's a lifestyle of honor, of giving something it's worth. It's being moved out of reverence. And if we limit worship to a song service once a week, then we're relying on a -a once-a-week moment to fuel our souls. We don't do that with food right? Unless we're fasting, but we probably have a few meals a day. And the only time we don't is it's usually by either choice because we're fasting or because we have no choice. But we're not like, man, I had a good burger today. Can't wait till next Sunday when I can eat again, right? We don't do that. Why would we do that with our souls? We can't limit it to just coming together where two or three are gathered in the midst. And this is important. This is biblical. This is powerful, But that's not how we feed our individual souls. It's not a song set. It's not singing. And this isn't corporate thing either. He's alone. He's by himself. It's a personal moment individually with the presence of God. And we actually see this modeled in Jesus as well. The Bible says, some of my favorite scriptures, the Bible says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, relied on, on a a personal, individual connection with God. He often withdrew. It says that sometimes he got up early, that he left the crowds. Like, we gotta get alone and be with God. We wanna wanna know God's will. We wanna wanna be moved by God. We want God's presence in and around our lives. We gotta get alone and be with God. Joshua's having this moment alone with God. We need personal moments, encounters, and reverence. And it's through those moments, I believe, through those moments, those those encounters that god's will and purpose is revealed and you know this is prayer this is prayer and sometimes we think there's a formula to it but there's no formula to it there's no it's it's a relationship it's a connection maybe you're like i don't know i'm not like these, uh, these the pastor i can't pray really nice big words god's not listening to me because i pray really nice big words it's not like that was a very good prayer. I'm going to respond to that one because I like those three words. You missed one, but that's okay. We'll let it slide this time. He doesn't. There's only one formula in Scripture when it comes to prayer, and that's the Lord's Prayer. And even then, Jesus said, pray like this. Pray like this. Pray. Get alone with God. We want the plan. We worship. So the story goes on. Joshua has this, this moment encounter with God where first he worships, then the plan is revealed. And it goes on to tell us a little something about the city of Jericho says that the, the gates were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. The people of Jericho heard what God was doing through the Israelites and they closed their doors. They put up their walls. They locked God's people out. Because of what God was doing in and through the Israelites, the people secured the gates. People can shut their walls up to God. You and I, we can shut our walls up to God. I believe that the people in Jericho had the opportunity to repent, but because of their hardness in their heart, they shut God out. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we looked at the story of Rahab, prostitute, brothel owner, who heard what God was doing through the Israelites, and she opened up her doors. She heard about what God was doing, and in fear, reverence, she opened up her doors. But here, the people, the city, hear what God is doing, and they close their doors. They refuse to hear the message of Israel. People can shut their walls up. To God, me and my son Eli, he's, uh, he's five going on 15, five going on 15, and we got into it um, last week a little bit, we went toe-to-toe a little bit. He comes to me and asks me to do something, and I said no, that he couldn't, um, he couldn't do this. He wanted to bring all of, his, all of his blankets and all of his stuffies and his pillow and everything out of his room and downstairs and make a fort, which is honestly on another day we would have been fine with it, but number one, he's, he's notorious for not cleaning up after himself, so we're not trying to teach him a lesson. Secondly is we're trying to pack the house. We're trying to keep the messes contained. And if you have a 5-year-old and a 3-year-old boys especially, it just it becomes chaos mess everywhere. And so we're trying to keep it contained to a couple areas so that we can pack the house, right? And so so I said no. I said I said you can't and then he proceeds to do what? Do it anyway. He grabs all of his stuffies, and he brings them out. And so this is where the battle began. This is where the power struggle happened. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Um, he, he's like his dad. He's stubborn. He's like his dad. He's stubborn. So he dug in his heels, but he forgets that I have bigger heels. And so I dug in my heels, and I said, listen, you come before me with teddy bears and blankets, but I stand before you, giant, in the name of the Lord God Almighty. I didn't say that. But he got, he got frustrated, and so he goes up into his room. He Closes the door, and he locks it. What he doesn't know is that I know how to unlock the door from the other side. (laughs) But he locks it. He shut me out. You know, sometimes we can shut God out. People can shut God out. What walls have we securely barred? What gates have we shut from allowing God to enter? Maybe you're not seeing progress Because you've put some walls up from God entering and moving in through your life. Maybe your progress isn't obvious because you've got walls stopping God from entering. Sometimes you even got to ask God, do I got, is there something in me? Do I get a wall up? Tell me what it is. Because I don't know about you, I probably do have some walls up and I want to tear them down. I want to move them so that God can move in me and through me. So God can get me through the city of Jericho to where he wants me to be. You may find yourself walking in circles of frustration, circles of bitterness, circles of constant mistake-making because you've shut God's, the gates up to God. You've made your heart impenetrable. Open up the gates or you might find yourself keep circling and circling. And we know how the story goes. If, you've, if you tracked with us when I read it, the walls were securely shut. No one went in, no one went out. And because they shut their walls up, God made a way for those walls to come down. And sometimes I think he's, he's saying, listen, I'm coming in, whether you like it or not. And you can open up the doors, or I can tear them down. One way is going to be easier. One way is going to be harder. One way is going to be, lead to freedom. The other it's probably going to lead to some hurt, some pain, some destroyed opportunity. Which is it going to be? Sometimes God is a gentleman. Sometimes he knocks you off your horse. And sometimes he, the Bible says in Jesus, he says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person. God is knocking at the door saying, let me in. Let me in. What area have you shut God out? Maybe, just maybe, he's going to do a Paul experience with you. Where he was Saul and he shows up and he blinds him for three days. He says, let me in. Sorry, scared you. Trying to, try to wake you up a little bit. Let me in. Jesus is willing to set us free. He's willing to allow his presence move through us if we just open up the gates. So what gates, what walls have you put up? Story continues that God says to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with the king and its fighting men. Again, the walls are securely barred and he says, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. I don't see it, God. I don't see it. I don't see it. But God had given them victory before they even executed the plan. God had given them victory before they even started marching, right? You have victory over and in your life, though you may not yet possess it, but it's available to you. And you may say, well, I don't see it. I just see some walls, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. You may say, I don't see the victory, but the victory is actually found and not a thing and not a plan. It's found in a person and his name is Jesus. And when you open up your gates to Jesus. When you step into the victory that is Jesus, you allow the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to dwell in you. And that same spirit defeated the greatest enemy that is death. And so when you face a trial and you face a tribulation, you face a difficulty and you go through something, you got some walls up, or you're not seeing progress, you need to remember that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If you've opened up the gates to him, the victory is in Jesus. They had victory. Why? Because God of all things, had said they had victory. Yet it was contingent on their obedience to executing God's plan. I've given you it, but you gotta march. I've given you the city. I see some walls up, God. I've given you the city, but you need to march. No, I've, 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 I've made a way. It's yours. You gotta march. I've given you victory, but you gotta step into it. You gotta step into it. Sometimes we don't, see victory because we're trying to exercise our own plan. Sometimes we don't see God's blessing because we're trying to execute our own will. You know, we need to stop asking God to bless what we're doing. We do that a lot. God, bless this. Bless this. And that's not a wrong prayer. I'm not saying it's wrong prayer, but we got to stop asking God to bless our plans and we need to get behind what God's already blessed. What is your plan, God? What is your will, God? Help me to step into what you're doing. Help me to get behind what you're doing. We may see momentary success with our own efforts, but it's momentary. Lasting, God-given success over obstacles, challenges, giants, and things in our lives is contingent on us walking in the purposes and plans of God, not our own. Not our own. Why isn't this working? Whose plan is it? Why aren't I seeing success? Whose instruction is it? Just because it seems good doesn't mean it's of God. Why isn't this moving forward? Well, is it God's will? Or is that your own plan? Sometimes we need to step back and ask ourselves, is this a God thing or is this me? And there's victory in Jesus, victory in what God has planned out, but not in what we've planned out. Now, I also trust in the Lord who says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord directs the step. So sometimes I may walk in my own plans, but I keep trusting and praying that you would lead me and guide me, God. So even if I'm walking in my own plans, you'd lead me to your plans, right? That are many other plans in my heart, but direct my steps. So even if I'm planning to walk to my plans, you're just going to turn me, and I'm going to start walking the other way. I'm going to start marching the way you want me to march. I'm going to circle the things you want me to circle. Now they were told they had victory, but they were given a really weird plan to execute it. Walk around the wall once a day for six days and don't say a word. And on the seventh day, do it seven times. Don't say a word until the command to shout is given. After the seventh time, when the trumpet blows and you hear the command, shout. I wonder if any of the Israelites thought this was a dumb plan, right? Because they're not hearing directly from God. They're hearing from Joshua. This sounds really dumb, Joshua. This isn't gonna work. You want us to walk around just once a day? Now, mind you, they've, they've seen God work and they just crossed over the Jordan River miraculously, if you remember what we talked about, miraculously. But sometimes as people we forget, we have a tendency to not remember how God has worked in it through our lives and around us. This doesn't look right, Joshua. It's not a smart idea. Listen, just because it doesn't make sense to us doesn't mean it's not a God-given idea. Just because it sounds illogical to us doesn't mean God isn't behind it. Here's what the scriptures say. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding says this in Isaiah 55, verse 8. It says, for my thoughts, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. It says in 1 Corinthians twelve verse, or sorry, 1, verse 27, it says, God uses the foolish things of this world to shame the strong. It may not make sense to us, but it doesn't mean it's not a God-given plan. It may seem illogical to us, but it doesn't mean God's not behind it. Stay fighting for your spouse, but the marriage is dying. Keep reaching out to that person, but they're not changing. Don't give up on them just yet, but it's not working. Now, these are just broad brushstrokes, right? This is not specific, just examples. Remain faithful in giving, but it's not helping. Don't stop praying, but nothing's happening. Hold on, but I've been holding on forever. Keep serving, but it's not doing anything. It's not going anywhere. Don't stop. Just because your progress isn't obvious doesn't mean that God is not working. Invite the worship team to come. So... So the Israelites, they start their march. First day, they start marching around, right? Quietly, silently. Yes, I'm actually stepping off the stage. Start marching around, quietly. Trumpets are sounding, done. Second day, start marching around, quietly. Trumpets are sounding, done. Third day, get up. They start marching around, quietly. Trumpets are sounding. Done. I wonder if some of them started thinking, I don't know if this is working. This isn't really accomplishing anything. We've been doing this for three days and nothing's happening. But they don't realize that just because your progress isn't working doesn't mean your faith isn't working. Just because your progress isn't obvious doesn't mean your faith isn't active. And so actually a couple things that possible is the first thing is when they're walking around marching like this, and the trumpets are sounding in a battle cry kind of way, it would probably signal to the army of Jericho that God is doing something, that something's about to happen. So it would would have done two things. Number one is it would have heightened their fear, heightened their fear, which when when the battle happened meant that they would have lessened ability, ability to fight because fear has a way of gripping us, so they're marching around. Fourth day, silently, nothing's happening, done. Fifth day, marching around. Again, is this even accomplishing anything? But just because your progress isn't obvious doesn't mean God is not working. Just because your progress isn't obvious doesn't mean that God's not working. It's also possible that scholars say that every time they marched around the city, the Jericho army would have gotten nervous and so the king would have fortified the defenses by sending more soldiers on the wall, which meant when the walls come down, that means more soldiers are coming down with the wall. Sixth day, marching around. Is this even working, God? Seventh day, seven times. Seven times around the city. Seven times around the city. And right at the end, the trumpets are getting louder. And then Joshua yells out, shout! I wonder what they shouted, right? You ever hear that in church? Sometimes they're like, give her a shout of praise. I'm like, what do we shout? Then just lift up your voices. Doesn't matter what you say, just lift them up. Shout! It's got to be a shout, though. It's got to be a shout, though. He doesn't say, cheer quietly and clap your hands. (laughs) On the seventh time, you know, just... Just say, Jesus, no, shout, shout. And so they shout, and the walls come down because they didn't stop, because they were obedient. The plan worked. Sometimes you gotta keep circling c- circling your obstacle, your challenge, your difficulty, your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your dad, your mom, your diagnosis. You gotta keep circling your pain, your hurt. You gotta keep circling. You gotta keep marching around in prayer and faith that while your progress isn't obvious, doesn't mean that God is not working. You gotta keep circling your impasse, your wall, believing that God is gonna move. So I wanna do two things today. Number one is I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you, and then I want us to step out and pray. We're, we're gonna sing a song. We sang it earlier. It's a good song, but here's a challenge don't stop believing and don't give up even if it doesn't make sense to you keep circling it in prayer be obedient to the plan and if you're faithful to his plan he will work he will work I don't see a God I'm giving you victory I just see walls I'm giving you victory I've not seen any progress it looks like a bigger mess than which I started but it's getting worse. I'm getting more tired. You know they would have got tired after a couple days, right? Doesn't mean it's not working. Don't stop believing. Don't give up. And I think we're we're gonna see something like this as a church community. We're gonna get behind what God is doing. We're gonna choose to get behind God's plans. And maybe it's different than plans we've seen before. And maybe it may not make sense, but we're gonna believe that as we execute God's plan, that he's gonna tear down some more going to tear down some walls in your lives he's going to tear down some walls in my life he's going to tear down some walls in our community's lives and he's going to see we're going to see him take ground in our community we're going to see him take ground in our lives and so we're going to get behind what God has done even though maybe we've been circling for a while and we've been wondering God are you even working right now we're going to believe that he's at work As a church, community. thank you so much for listening